0: Hello and welcome to the Nomiki Show. I am Nomiki Const, and today is the day that we need to speak about Nira Tandon. Yes, it is true that the arc of the universe is long, but you know it does sometimes bend towards justice, even just for a moment. I, I
1: have to tell you, I'm very disturbed about your personal comments about people. Mm. Um, You know, it's not just one or two. I think you deleted about 1,000 tweets. And it wasn't just about Republicans. And I don't mind disagreements in policy. I think that's great. I love the dialectic. But the comments were personal. Mm -hmm. I mean, you call Senator Sanders everything but
0: an ignorant slut. That is not
2: not true. And (sighs) when—
0: Who knew that a senator from Louisiana, John Kennedy, a Democrat, by the way, turned Republican, would be my champion, calling your attendant out as she so richly deserves for something that we all know is true. She has been as bad as the right in lying about people, smearing them, stirring up social media storms against them. I know because she did it to me. And in my case, her smears led to frightening personal threats that I will never stop talking about because it needs to be called out. And I know others who have felt her sting as well and have also received threats as a result. Well-known people and folks, just regular organizers. Well, there has to be consequences for these actions, It's ironic that our confirmation hearing was taking place the same day as the impeachment trial of the former president for stirring up a mob with lies and fake allegations. If we are going to hold Donald Trump to account, if we are going to hold Marjorie Taylor Greene to account, then we have to hold Neera Tannen to account too. Now, she didn't incite a mob, but she has incited anger and smears and used lies to rile people up. Let's play that clip. When you, when you said these things,
1: did you mean them? I would have said
3: ignorant.
2: <laughs> Senator, I have to say, I deeply regret my comments.
1: I understand that, but and when I you feel said them, did you mean them? <laughs> I understand you've, you, you've taken them back, but did you mean them?
2: I'd say the discourse over the last four years on all sides. Has been incredibly polar. I'm asking
1: about yours. Did you mean them?
2: I really feel badly about them, Senator.
1: Did you mean them? I feel yeah. badly about them. Did you mean them when you said them?
2: I mean, I would say social media is a, is, is, I've Did heard a, a terrible Did you mean them when discourse. you said them? I feel terribly about them. Wow.
1: Did you mean them when you said them, or were you <laughs> not telling the truth?
2: I, I I, mean, I feel badly, I look back at them, I'm, I said them, I feel badly about them, I deleted tweets overall. Are my you saying seven.
1: that because you want to be confirmed?
2: No, I felt badly mm-hmm. about them. And Did you mean them.
1: them when you said them?
2: Senator I, I must have meant them, but I really regret them.
0: Seriously, she blames everyone else for her outrageous behavior. The last four four years were so polarizing. Social media is so tricky, whatever. We can't keep looking the other way and saying, oh, okay, well, that's Nira. Oh, that's the internet. That's Twitter. That's just Joe Rogan. So she is hoping we will look the other way again and let her have this promotion to run the budget of the United States of America. Maybe if I thought she was just Personally rude, I might say, okay, let bygones be bygones. I've done that before. But that isn't near attended at all, who ran a, an organization that got hundreds of millions of dollars from corporate and foreign interest groups. Her behaviors are intentional and a direct extension of her commitment to the donor class that underwrote her neoliberal think tank. She used that budget that she had, all that money, as a weapon for corporations and foreign interests to suppress movements, to smear leftist leaders, organizers, and anyone in the way of her agenda, which was the agenda of her donors. She wielded the politics of personal destruction to get what she and her donors wanted, and now she wants to be promoted to the budget director where she can solidify corporate control of federal spending. And that's where the policy meets this. We have to say enough is enough. And of course, the person who has more than any than anyone has the right to do so, Neera Tanden, that that uh, that person was sitting there today chairing that hearing.
1: I want the record to reflect that I did not call Senator Sanders an ignorant slut. (laughs) Okay. I,
4: I don't know how I should take that, Senator Kennedy.
0: That's right. The chair of the Budget Committee, Senator Bernie Sanders, who Neera and trashed over and over and over again the last five years and every single one of his supporters, family members as well. Senator Sanders controls this confirmation. So just say no, Senator Sanders. Just say no. It's not just about you. It's about the attacks on your wife, your family, your surrogates, your campaign staff, your millions of followers, Let's not forget that she not only pushed out conspiracy theories against your agenda items and used race and other conspiracies as a weapon against them. She went after people who were trying to reform the Democratic Party on your unity reform commission, which you were a part of. Targeted them with thousands of troll accounts to put fear in them, which inspired others to threaten them in real life. All because what? They wanted to reform the Democratic Party? But that's not, that's not the end of it. It kept going. They pitched articles that were later fact-checked and debunked, but it, the damage had been done at that point. The people had been smeared. They led to lawsuits. This, it was a mammoth institution that she ran, not to get policy changes or improvements or progress, but to block the left and to preserve the corporate class and to peddle influence on other lawmakers. This is beyond Twitter feuds. It is about her weaponizing her power against the movement to challenge big, moneyed interests. And if we don't stand up, when we have the power to do so finally, to stop them from being rewarded, she's not even being punished. We're just trying to stop her from being rewarded. If we don't do it now, Senator Sanders, then what is the point of all this? What is the point of taking hold of power? People in your movement that you worked for towards creating over the last 40 years of of, of your uh, commitment to public service, the people who joined you along the way, who put themselves out there for you, have been hurt by this woman. Some people aren't allowed back into their old jobs. They lost jobs. They're out of the movement entirely out of fear of retaliation. They've been bullied, are scared, traumatized. So Senator Sanders, do what's right for the people who supported you and what you stand for along the way. You have the power to do so. If we don't do it now while we have the power, then what is the point? We have a great show today. Jordan Zachary and our own, our very, very own Simon Narod will be here uh, giving us their takes on the latest impeachment, I can't believe I have to say that, the latest impeachment trial uh, and other news, of course. And Professor Deborah Levitt will share insights from her new book on the reality and fantasy of the animated world. And right after the break, we will discuss the big news about organizing efforts at Amazon. Investors from Europe, the UK, and the United States teamed up to tell Amazon to knock off its union-busting tactics. Well, we have an organizer, Chris Malls, here to talk about Amazon, where he was fired from for organizing. That'll be right after this break. We have Chris Smalls. Welcome back to the Nomi Key Show. We are so thrilled to have Chris Smalls, who is a former Amazon employee, and he is the founder of the Congress of Essential Workers, TCOEW. Smalls was fired from Amazon's Fulfillment Center in Staten Island in April, the beginning of the pandemic. Uh, of last year when he led a group of colleagues from the building during lunch hour in protest of what he saw as the company's inadequate response to the coronavirus crisis. They were simply calling for the building to temporarily close down. Ha, shocker, as they made the building more stringently sanitized and protected workers. Uh, now we have news out of Alabama where workers are organizing and Amazon, have, we've been covering on the show, has, of course, been pushing back. Uh, and today's news has come out saying that the investors of Amazon in Europe, the UK and some of the United States are calling on Amazon to knock it off. Stop the union busting. Uh, before we go, we, we, we want to play a real quick uh, clip that uh, of a video of what's happening
5: Even when they go use the restroom and close the door behind them, they have something up there saying, vote no against the union. Amazon actually had the city to come out there and recalibrate the red lights so they can stop
2: and check with us. They are coming and stopping us from working, doing our jobs to basically ram the information in
0: our heads about why we shouldn't have a union. I mean, this is uh, this is old union-busting tactics, Chris. Uh, you've seen it up close. You've been calling attention to this for the last year. But they use technology now. I mean, the data, the facial recognition tools, the effing red lights. Like, what? This is insane. Mm-hmm. This is, I, 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 I shouldn't be baffled, but I am. What's your take on what's happening right now?
5: Yeah, I'm not you know I I've, I've seen it all like you said um I I was a part of the machine so um, I sat through these Union busting videos and training videos I've seen them I've seen how they um they are very divisive inside the company um, the way the system is built in there and um I'm not surprised you know we we've seen uh, the headlines come out the pinkertons the CIA intelligence you know we know that these uh these big tech companies Corporations, they control everything. They want to control any and everything. So why should we, we uh, be surprised at what's going on now?
0: I mean, of course, Amazon uh, licensed facial recognition software to the U.S. government and other who knows who else. <laughs> uh, unfortunately, we, we, we don't have access to all that information, but there has been several reports that, um, that the government uses it for, quote-unquote, security uh, purposes. I... <sighs> when you were or what inspired you actually for folks who don't know your story uh, what inspired you to initially start organizing i mean and why you why was were other folks talking about this too or
5: well you know after they fired me um i didn't know what i was going to do but um i knew i was doing the right thing and what really motivated me inspired me to continue organizing was the smear the smear uh that was supposed to be attempted on me uh calling me not smart or articulate um you know, make me the face of the whole unionizing efforts <laughs> ironically so um i I, I kind of took that and I ran with it you know um that came from david Sapolsky, and um that was in a meeting with jeff Bezos so
0: who who's that who was
5: that uh general his top general counsel david Sapolsky uh he's the one who made those remarks in the meeting with Jeff Bezos. And um, that memo, when that memo came out, you know, that right there was the turning point for me to take this full on. And um, that's what I've been doing ever since for the last ten months.
0: So um, tell us a little bit about what the union busting looks like what what uh, some of this stuff has been illustrated in the video about you know the bathroom stalls and voting no, but what does that pressure campaign look like? And are people conscious of it at first?
5: No, you know, um, this is something we've never seen before. Um, I could tell you um, they're going to the extreme measures, putting the thing, the installments. Um, we had those prior um, to the tactics. We, we, they always install those things, but uh, to have it directly aimed at the union and, and saying the dues are, are bad, you know, and, the, and uh, the benefits of the union are not going to be better than Amazon after we've seen what this company has did for the last 10 months with this virus, Uh, neglecting our safety and concerns and our conditions and our, and the the people that we lost, you know, neglecting all the, all of these facts, even retaliating against uh, uh, workers like myself and others that they fired over the course of this pandemic that tells you right there that this company doesn't care about anybody. Um, You are a machine. You are nothing but a number to them and you're replaceable. So, uh, you know, the fact that they're pushing back this hard on the union, that tells you that, (laughs) This is probably something that we need, you know. So I'm hoping that the workers are using that uh, motivation and seeing the outside, uh, the outside support from all around the world, basically um, that's watching Alabama right now, and and that's what I'm I'm traveling down there for uh, this week to stand in solidarity with the workers and it, right. with the union. Um, I have a call scheduled for tomorrow with the president of that union, and I want to make sure that the workers get exactly what they deserve.
0: What are the conditions like?
5: Oh, well, I used to tell, I used to tell my new hires, you know, if you got a gym membership, you might want to cancel it. Um, These buildings are massive. You know, we're talking a million and a half square feet, 14 NFL football fields, the one in Staten Island. Um, You walk in the state of Rhode Island every day. That was my, that was uh, 10 hours a day. And if you're a supervisor, uh, you're working 12 hours, 12, 14 hours, and if you have a commute, like I did, I lived in Jersey, you know, I had to commute three and a half hours each way. So I had to work a 12 hour shift and then commute three and a Whoa. half hours. So wow. that was, that's the working, the working class for you. And, um, you know, that's what I did at Amazon.
0: And they, um, they recruited you in Jersey or like, like, or
5: are you? Oh, I actually, um, I opened up three buildings for them. Um, I opened up the one in New Jersey, yeah. um, back in 2015 ewr 9 then i transferred to bdl 2 in connecticut in 2017 and uh when, when jfk 8 opened up in 2018 i transferred back from connecticut so i was there from the beginning and uh, up until my termination
0: and just in terms of like the pandemic i mean how the just a reminder to folks who, who may not have known your story from before what were they? What were they doing for their workers, or not doing for their workers? Uh, I mean, remember this: this our country was shut down. I know it's, it, it's
5: yeah. a lot um, has happened
0: since, and we're still in the pandemic. The but what
5: yeah, was that? Go ahead. New York was the Epic Center, you know, and um, they weren't doing anything. We were actually having parties. Um, we we were having it was business as usual. We were having activity committee parties. We had no PPE, no facial masks, no cleaning supplies. Uh, No real enforcement, uh, no policies. None of these policies existed. No temperature checking, nothing. Um, And and when I sat in the cafeteria for 10 hours a day for an entire week, trying to get some answers from the general manager and from, you know, higher ups, we got nothing. I got quarantined. And and that, that was a silencing tactic for me. You know, um, but
0: you got quarantined. They were like, uh, "You need to leave and not come back because we think you might have COVID and go quarantine." And it was that was their union, uh, like, "Oh, dissent, go quarantine them."
5: Pretty much, um, wow. it was the same union bust tactic, but not in the sense it's uh, is it about health and safety this time. And um, uh, I, I was the one who sent a colleague home who was sick. And she did test positive, so they tried to use that as a reason. But I said, what about all the, the hundreds of workers she'd been around for the entire week prior, and, and what about the person I ride to work with every single day, and what about you guys in the office? I've been in the office all week. And they just like, no, it's just you. So it didn't make any sense to me. you know. Out of 5,000 people that come to this building, you're going to quarantine me um, just because I'm trying to help get some health and safety uh, implemented into the, uh, the building. And it makes sense. And um, I knew that was the reason they were targeting me to stop uh, inevitably the, the protests, but I still carried on with it.
0: Um, you fought, you, you're part of a class action lawsuit now against Amazon. And I think we have a clip of that if we can show the, the class action lawsuit. What, what's the movement on that? How far reaching is it?
5: Yes, uh, I could tell you up to date, um, Amazon is trying to get it dismissed. <laughs> that's
0: shocker. That, I'm so surprised that they would try to get a lawsuit dismissed against them.
5: Of course. Uh, that's, yeah. that's where we at right now. They, um, you know, they hired their, their, their attorney and, um, the latest I have, um, that they, they sent the letter to the judge to get it dismissed. And that's, that's where we at right now. They're, they they got to file a motion or something like that. And I have to yeah. wait, you know, wait for their response, but, um, yeah, no surprise there either.
0: Um, Jeff Bezos stepped down as 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 the head of, of Amazon, and he's moving to the board, which, you know, musical chairs. Um, is there any sort of, like, reason you've heard as to why he did that now?
5: Um, I can tell you this, you know, um, a combination of things. Uh, I don't think he would have resigned had I not did what I did. Um, I don't think that he would have resigned had all the people that spoke up this year, this past year, did what they did. Um, I don't think he would have resigned this year. So we play a vital key. I'm pretty sure some legal advice that's telling him um, to step down as well. You know, there's a lot of pending cases that are even not even out there yet that I know of. A lot lot of pending cases coming his way. Um, There's workers that are still dying we just lost a worker a few weeks ago. Um, he needs to be held accountable. So, for legal purposes, I, I pretty, I'm pretty sure he was advised to do that. You know, he can say to the public that he's going to venture into space or blue origin, whatever that BS is. But I don't believe that. You know, I believe that he was advised to step down. And um, Andy Jassy is no better. You know, his replacement is his shadow. Um, you know, he's uh definitely CIA intelligent, you know, pro, pro intelligence and all of that. And um. is that know,
0: his, is his background in foreign?
5: Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. He's he's approving. Uh, he approved uh, you know, facial recognition. He's coming from AWS. He's tech savvy. He talks nothing but numbers and data. You know, he, mm-hmm. he made this company what it is. Uh, he's the one behind the machine. And um, now he's taking over. So he's going to. He ain't going to be any better. He's not going to come in there and, you know, align with workers in the warehouses um, demand. So once again, we're going to continue doing what we have to do.
0: Uh, Chris Smalls, this, I, I I know this fight is going to go on for a while. Um, you know, we appreciate you coming on to talk about the organizing effort uh, really nationwide now. And, and this is a day where, uh, listen, if, if, if the city of New York is going to divest, if, if, uh, investors are going to divest from Amazon or warn of divestment. If they don't, you know, knock it off, then the kind of work that you've been doing seems to, to be paying off, especially in a pandemic. So thank you for stepping up and for your courage and for speaking out. We really appreciate you and come back on anytime.
5: Absolutely.
0: Thank you so much. We have a busy show today. Uh, We will be right back. Uh, We're going to be talking about speaking of, of technology and, Uh, the future of images. And we're going to be talking with Professor Deborah Levitt. She is the author of The Animatic Express, Animation of Vitality and the Futures of the Image. I know I'm going to learn a lot about that because this is definitely uh, not my area of expertise, but we'll be right back right after the break. This one is fascinating to me. I love exploring uh, areas that I'm like completely unfamiliar with, but this is super interesting in terms of ethics. Uh, professor Debra, Deborah Lovett she is a assistant professor of culture and media studies at the New School, and she is the author of the book "The Animatic Apparatus: Animation, Vitality, and the Futures of Images." Uh, we are excited
6: to have her on the show. Hello, Deborah. Thank you so much for having me, Nomiki. Really a pleasure to be here. Thanks.
0: So I think this is such a fascinating topic. Um, I love learning about things that, that are right in front of our faces, but I've never thought about the ethics of animation. And, you know, when you see these movies, uh, clearly, like, they're done you know, behind, there's green screens, and I think and we'll probably see more of it with the pandemic uh, in terms of filming, but... What inspired you to write this?
6: Um, It was really trying to think about What happens between the 20th century when people see images or photographic images as reflections of a real world, even if they know that images can be staged, that's the basic assumption, to the 21st when there's Photoshop and CGI and simulations of all kinds, and we suddenly realize that the fundamental cultural assumptions about images Have changed. And nobody really believes that a photograph is necessarily linked to something that actually happened in the real world. Hmm. I mean, it also just seems like the intention.
0: Like when Mickey Mouse was created, I don't think (laughs) think Walt Disney ever had the intention, although correct me if I'm wrong, uh, for it to be. In any way, uh, a simulation of reality. But now, these cartoons, which Disney's a part of and others, and you know, that, that's before we even get to CGI, are so like lifelike. And I mean, I feel like the the pleasure of of just the the creativity behind art has shifted when when you're watching these films now. It just doesn't give you that. No, there's just it's just almost like a loss of innocence. If I were to come up with some sort of term for it, like our imagination isn't able to like wander
6: off into a distance. Hmm. I mean, I I don't really think about it in terms of like is it good or bad, mm-hmm. um, but more in terms of what it indicates culturally. Mm-hmm. Because I think the fact that we can now look at images that may be completely produced in a computer, but are indistinguishable from, you know, photographic images, right. you know, it's a big contributor to what we think of as post-truth.
0: So so where do we see this going um, in this post-truth world where images can be, they're not even manipulated, they're just... They look like they're real, right?
6: I mean, we see it right now in these sort of algorithm wars between people who are creating deep fakes and people who are trying to figure out how to forensically detect them. So what does so, that mean, like
0: a deep fake, just for folks who may not be aware? Um...
6: Um so an image that looks like it might be of um, or it looks exactly like let's just say President Obama speaking because there have been famous demos of deep fakes using Obama but the um, the soundtrack has been completely shifted so that he's saying something entirely different than he is right so it looks like um a presidential speech or pronouncement but it's not and it's actually very difficult or really impossible if you're just watching it as if you're looking at a computer or television screen to determine whether it's real or fake
0: how much does it cost to kind of produce this type of work? I mean, is this something that a, a requires, you know, studio animators and a, a large amount of funding? Or is it something that a kid could do from his basement, uh, you know, for whatever their agendas are?
6: That's such a good question, Nomiki, and I don't really, I can't answer that very specifically, except to say that, you know, you need some, de- you need a definite level of expertise, but you don't need, um, like, a an industrial animation studio.
0: Yeah, I mean, there's been some reporting uh, in the last couple of years about how there are these social media accounts where I mean, New York Times did a big story on this, where the the photos and the social media accounts are like none of them are real. They're compilations of different features of faces, and and the goal is to like you said, this post truth world where they create accounts and and they use those accounts as weapons of, of mass destruction, I guess, uh, information destruction, and character assassination, smears. We know how how the internet works. Um, do you consider this is, is sort of part of that landscape?
6: Definitely, Um, you know, and it's why it's hard for me to say, let's just get back to truth, because I feel like truth was the truth of public discourse was more a set of norms that we relied on to create kind of consensus or work with dissensus when it was there And now um, because of all of the shifts in media ecology, those norms are no longer there. So I feel like the, the sort of answer isn't so much, let's get back to the real facts, even though I would love to get back to the real facts, but what do we want these new norms to be? Right. In a moment where images, sound speech, we have no guarantee that they have a particular link to something that happened in the real world. I I mean, is
0: there is there some sort of oversight? Like, I think that there's so much conversation even today, whether it's the impeachment of Trump um, and the criticisms of 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 how. Tech companies and these media platforms have facilitated uh, conspiracy theories and misinformation, and you know all the other things that happen online. Um, simultaneously, even on the left, there's criticism of of Neera Tanden for you know doing some of those same things uh, on the left. But one piece that I just feel like is constantly separated from this, rather than having a public discourse and in and, and informing you know, folks who may not be as online as as some of us are, Uh, the tech companies, like, surely they have to know what's real and what's not. And I mean, I think the algorithms are one thing, but how about just shutting down these accounts? I mean, don't they they have a sense of like what's real and what's not right now?
6: Um, I mean, I don't know to what extent they know what's real and what's not, but To me, from my perspective, they're clearly too powerful and there has to be some regulation of what they're enabled to do, right? Because they're profit-making companies, they're not public services. And yet those are now the platforms that we rely on or many of us rely on for a lot of our information. So I mean, something has to give here.
4: Also because...
6: Go ahead, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say also because we're being so constantly surveilled um, or data mined in any event, and that information is used to draw people in deeper, you know, Um, like there's been a lot of discussion, a lot of work done recently on the way algorithms amplify extreme views and create sort of echo chambers or filter bubbles as it were. So what do we need to do about that? You know, how do we need to think about big tech and also in terms of the left, what kind of new norms do we want right and how can we push to establish them one thing i mean we talk about this on the show a lot i'm
0: a broken record on it but the it's not just that these algorithms are are pushing people towards extremism they're leaving out voices and making it harder for the facts to 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 push through or frankly diversity to push through i mean these algorithms are built for the most part i mean this has been exposed at least on on google's end uh by white men who may or may not have an agenda sometimes it's conscious sometimes it isn't um but but they're like they're they're not they're monetizing this hatred and anybody who can like on the periphery of it. Uh, But if you operate in like the PBS world or I don't know what you want to, Democracy Now! or whatever, if if Democracy Now! were to launch today, it would have a much more difficult time, you know, getting up uh, off the ground, especially if there are people of color and women hosting the show. Uh, Because, you know, for YouTube's algorithm, it just doesn't reward it. Um, And simultaneously, there's other platforms too, where where you're seeing the same thing. I, it, it, I think it's a real conversation on the left. I mean, we we have an entire show on Fridays uh, dedicated to having only women on the show to have conversations that need to kind of like be pushed through. And and our way of, of doing so is by partnering up with other shows and, and building solidarity as always. It's like, that's that's kind of how you do it. You have to organize to, to defeat. Uh, they make us do all the hard work while they could just, you know, switch it easily. <laughs> it's like not a lot of work for them to do it. But, um, I mean, you're, you're a professor in this space. I, I, do you feel like the tech companies are feeling the heat in any way, other than just shutting down like a few bad
6: actors? Um, I don't know if they are, but they should be. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, that's one of the big agenda items that we need to look at now.
0: Here, here. Deborah Lovett, I wish we had more time with you. Uh, it's a crazy day today, so there's a lot of news. But um, please go check out Deborah Lovett's book. Let's put that up on screen one more time. It's the author, she's the author of The Animatic Apparatus, Animation, Vitality, and the Future of Image. What a fascinating Subject. I, I really uh, I'm, I'm, I'm very interested in, in learning a lot more and having more conversations. So uh, thanks for joining us. You're welcome to come back on anytime. Great to be here, Nomiki. Thank you. Thanks, Deborah. All right. We will be right back with Simon Road and Jordan Zachary to talk about uh, the insanity in the news today. There's impeachment. There's Mira, There's other stuff, if you can believe it. <laughs> so we'll be right back. Hello, welcome back to the Nomi Key Show. I am excited to have our Wednesday panelists here. We have Jordan and He runs the Progressives Everywhere newsletter. Go check it out right now. Influencing folks, I heard you did some great work for uh, Save Our Senate. Uh, Nabil Islam told me that you were were, were helping out. So mm-hmm. thank you, solidarity. Uh, and we have Simon Road, who is a former organizer for Bernie Sanders 2016. And he's part of the TNS team. So thanks for joining us today. Okay, it's all Trump all the time. That's what we're, we're going to do. So just when we thought we were over Trump, we've got to learn our lessons. Uh, because, you know, as much as we want unity, it'd be great if we, like, didn't have another coup anytime soon. That'd be great. So uh, Donald Trump Jr. and Sean Hannity just two besties. Uh, Donald Trump Jr. had a conversation with Sean Hannity about the Republican Party. Let's play that clip.
7: Republicans have to stop trying to play the game differently. We got to play Hardball if they're playing hardball. We've been playing T-ball for generations while the Democrats have played hardball. <laughs> We've turned the other cheek as they've slapped us in the face and laughed as they've won every major fight along hey, the way let's while pause we claim some quick. sort of moral high ground and losing
0: everything. I, I just, I just got to like jump in here with you guys. Um, as far as I know, the, the, the Republicans like... <laughs> like wiped us out in the last election we should have won we lost 1200 seats to that like what world is he living in right now
8: i love the republican party that's described i mean the democratic party that's described on fox news they always are tougher (laughs) they are uh, dirtier they are getting socialism enacted they are slapping republicans (laughs) in the face like yes like i like what they're saying is like don't you know threaten me with a good time I wish this was the case, you know. I wish they were dropping the filibuster and expanding the Supreme Court, like I wrote this weekend. Like D- Donald Trump Jr., like your fan. What well, you're saying, that's my
3: fantasy. So, like, let's make it happen. <laughs> it's funny because a lot of the stuff that the the left, uh, um, like that we say to the Democratic Party, like you got to fight harder. You got to fight these Republicans. Like you needed to fight Trump better when Trump was in office. Like all of these things, and now now that Biden's president, the Republicans are using those arguments. <laughs>
0: Uh, it's almost like he listens to our show and then is like, how can I use those words on um, the Democrats? Like, let's see if we can work this. <laughs> All right, let's play the rest of the clip. There's there's more, don't worry.
7: (laughs) That's what Donald Trump showed the Republican Party, that you can push back, that you don't have to go with their norms, that you don't have to listen to the media when they're just flagrantly putting out nonsense. You can actually push back, and I hope that the Republican Party does that. If they go back to the old ways of just rolling over and dying each and every time someone in the media wants to write a mean piece about them because they can't stand them or their constituents, or Donald Trump's 75 million people that voted for him in this country, the highest of any conservative in the history of America. There's no future for the party. So they better learn from that. And as much as I despise the notion of it, we have to be playing the same game. So we got to come out aggressively. We got to pursue those kind of ideas if they're going to do it. It's the same with cancel culture. Notice that only goes one way. I'm not for cancel culture. But if they're going to use it against us, against half of the country on a daily basis and use it to get rid of people, to suppress them, to bully them. And it's bullying in so many cases. You know, if they come after me, it's one thing. I got a platform. I'm a big boy. When they go after some of these people that don't have any platform, they try to attack them, as CNN has done with random people who post something on Facebook. You know, That kind of bullying has to stop and we have to push back accordingly. Hey, Don, look what's happening. Oh it's cancel God. culture. Oh, have you, are you, or have you ever been a supporter of Donald Trump?
0: Wow. OK, so, so much to unpack there. Um He's a big boy, guys. He has a platform. I think
8: that should be in the quotations when they put put his name, Donald Big Boy Trump Jr.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's 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 so, it's it's so comical to me, but but this is what he envisions is the future of the Republican party. You know, when they cancel you, you got to cancel them. I'm like, you're saying the quiet thing out loud, Donald. That's the playbook. <laughs> <You
1: don't laughs> he say he that sounds
0: like, a,
8: he sounds like a replacement level talk, uh, drive by talk radio host at this point. That's what he sounds like. He sounds like a Hannity and Mark Levine or whoever their, their people are at this point. Like that's what he sounds like. He's auditioning to do more than like actually saying anything. It's uh, yeah. it's remarkable. He's been listening to it, I guess for the last four or five years, because they just uh, fawn over his dad, like he does. And now he's just, uh, he's just repeating the same thing. And I think the funny thing about canceling cancel culture is the only people who ever get canceled so to speak are like people on the left or Democrats because their consequences there, you know, no matter what, like no Republican ever goes down because they're dirty or shady that, that never happens. Uh, so cancel culture, cancel culture, only actually impacts people on the left anyways.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, Milo, uh, would disagree with you. He's really <laughs> suffering a tough life now.
3: After... He's annoying.
8: I think that's the thing. It's not, it's more than anything else. just annoying. Well,
3: it feels like that. um, Republicans like Don Jr. here but Republicans in general just say cancel culture like as like a when they run out of other things to say like it's just a thing that they throw out all as like its meaning is constantly changing like what is cancel culture in this clip like what's he talking about like people being mean to you online or like people in the, like I'm, it's unclear and I think this <laughs>
0: I think it's probably like when people look into his finances and ask for his tax returns and he's just like, oh, my God, you're trying to cancel me. Stop shining the light on p- p- government and family and and like my role in the White House. And oh, my God, you're showing those pictures of me killing lions and bears and beautiful creatures. Stop canceling me.
8: I wish I could my use 80s. cancel culture in high school when I was getting detention all the time. <laughs> <laughs> like, Stop trying to cancel me. Just so skip class and went out a window.
0: Stop trying to cancel me for giving me a B. I mean, it really is like the epitome of like white privilege, to be honest. It's if I can throw that out there, people who are like, cancel culture. It's always the whiny white babies whose parents are rich. Donald Trump Jr. Uh, All right. Donald Trump Sr. You know, there's some serious things going on. He's being impeached right now. Let's 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 play. uh, Let's put up his his latest.
4: Yeah, I would say if you know, listen, if they tried to impeach them, I would say that also was an abuse was an abuse of the impeachment process. But your point is they're using rhetoric that's justice inflammatory or more so. The problem is they don't really have followers. You know, they're dedicated followers. And so, you know, when they give their speeches. But th- this speech, I think right now you really are finding out about the pre-planning. And I'm afraid they're going to back off that investigation because maybe, you know, so many people want to tie it to Donald Trump. There's nothing they showed today that in any way ties us to Donald Trump. It's just a silly argument. It's not tied to Donald Trump or his speech whatsoever. So what they're doing now a bit is going back. Well, you see, it's not just that speech. He's been, you know, inciting people inflaming people. No, he's been trying, rousing the American public to drain the swamp, whatever they call it on on his side, uh, to make a difference in this country. That's what political speech is about.
0: So, again, like this seems to be their thing now is moving in a direction where the Democrats are just as toxic uh, and the problem is that they're just not as organized or they don't have this cult leader, which I guess is true. But, you know, uh, we did the country did vote for Joe Biden. So
8: (laughs) they knock on doors. They don't break down uh, walls of the Capitol. I think is the difference. Uh, Fair enough. <laughs> you know, I think that's the thing. Like, there is something to be said for the, I guess, the maniacal devotion of uh, Trump supporters versus Democratic uh, supporters, obviously. But Trump knew that and weaponized it. I think that's the point. You know, like, he clearly pointed, like, a loaded gun at the Capitol and just said, all right, I'm going to fire. And that, I mean, that's the whole point. He read them up for four years. So Sean's basically saying Donald Trump knew he had violent, insane followers, and
3: he did something with it. Yeah, great defense, isn't it? <laughs> it's a little, um, I mean, even even if it's true that like the Democrats have the same inflammatory language, um, I think that the Democrats in this case are so much more focused on the end consequences of Donald Trump's inflammatory language. Like the insurrection at the Capitol, for instance. Like Democrats are not instigating insurrections at the Capitol. It's. It, I mean, that's... <laughs> I can't believe it. Like what... <laughs>
0: The fact that we even have to say that, come on, it's insane.
3: You know what? It, it, this whole thing—it's
8: so—it's really important that we—he's on trial, and I, you know, obviously, it, it sucks that they're not going to, uh, you know, find him guilty because Republicans, almost all of them, voted against saying it was unconstitutional. But I think I also wish that I didn't have to defend Democrats so much because you know they're trying to—you know—some of them want to take down the minimum wage. They want to take down uh, the number of people who can get stimulus checks. Like, I hate having to say no. You know. Uh, Chuck Schumer and all these people are good people and Republicans are bad. I want to move past that. I want to be able to say, we got to put pressure on these people. I want to breathe down Joe Manchin's neck, not, uh, you know, yeah. freak out about Rand Paul's doodling while watching uh, the trial. Yeah.
0: Wasn't well, that part of it though, Simon, like he, like this, it, the the Biden administration wants to move on and not go through this trial. Progressives want to hold Trump accountable. So this doesn't happen again and that we actually get to some of the root causes, but simultaneously, While this trial is dragged out, we actually have less of an opportunity to hold Biden accountable for, you know, letting Manchin get away with what he's getting away with or New York Tandon being tested. I mean, how do we do both things at once? Can we chew gum and, and walk?
3: We can, like, we, we absolutely can and should be holding Biden accountable. I mean, in a worst case, this is this impeachment trial distracts from the the things that that Biden and his administration are doing uh, or not doing that they should be doing. Uh, and as progressives, it's really our responsibility to make sure that um, the people who have political power, like Donald Trump, has a lot of social power and and some political sway, but he does not hold a position of office anymore. So we should be really focusing a lot of our attention on uh, Joe Biden and his administration and um, making sure that they're doing the things that people need them to be doing right now. Uh, but it, yeah, but like you said, it, we can do both at the same time. And we should be. like We should be like talking about where don- everything that Donald Trump did and represents is in, is unacceptable and shouldn't be tolerated for future future presidents. Um, because it time.
0: moves it, right? Like, that's how the Overton window slowly moves. and. I, I mean, I don't know how we could ever end up doing what they did, but but some of this stuff, I mean, I, I said at the top of the show, and it's it's really what was so obvious to me today was Nira Tandon has like, I mean, th- her followers aren't as hateful as hateful, but she orchestrated a lot of the same networks that that the right uses, maybe not as many, but she had her own Twitter armies and Reddit communities and pushed out conspiracy theories about the left. You know when the left talked about money and politics or targeted certain consultants or you know,
3: and you know this firsthand.
0: Tell me about it. <laughs> but I do. It's not just that I. I mean, I, I know at firsthand others have experienced it. We've been talking about this for years, um, and the reason why I won't stop talking about it is because it was hurtful. It was scary. And yes, I don't tweet as much anymore, and I don't want to you know throw out as many punches. And that's the strategy is to silence people, but. That's also the right wing strategy. And some of their followers took it into violence to silence the squad, to challenge the election, to haunt them. I mean, these are this is real. There are real consequences to this. And it's happening everywhere right now. And and I don't know if if we're really doing much. I mean, I guess we could play this clip of Twitter um, shutting down Trump permanently. But like, clearly, that's not enough. Let's roll the clip. Uh, former president trump was banned if he came back ran
1: for office again and and was elected president would you allow him back on the platform
7: so the way our policies work when you're removed from the platform you're removed from the platform whether you're a a commentator you're a cfo or you are a former or current public official and so remember our policies are designed to make sure that uh, people are not inciting violence and if anybody does that, we have to remove them from the service and our policies don't all- allow people to come back.
0: I mean, isn't that just putting a Band-Aid on it?
8: Uh, I mean, I think you know, we've said, done this years ago. <laughs> um, you know, it's not that impressive they're doing it when he can't uh, be, you know, we can't do anything about it. Uh, he doesn't have the, and his legal bills are going to be out the window, uh, through the roof. And he has uh, lawyers who are almost like hilariously incompetent. So, you know, I don't, uh, I like, I love, I love Bruce Castor. I could watch him all day. Um, so I wish they would do more about it. Obviously uh, it's good that they are sticking to their guns. We'll see. Although I do wish they'd let him on for like this week, just to see how mad he gets. Like, I would love to just like, see, maybe even just like on Periscope. I know they're getting rid of that, but just to like, see him fume, that'd be really funny. Um, but of course, yeah, it, it's, it's certainly too little too late.
0: I mean, Simon, like it's too little too late, but it doesn't get rid of the problem. The root problem is still there. And if part of that root problem is also being used on the other side against the left, like are we ever going to be able to deal with this? And I mean, I don't know how this isn't the tipping point, frankly.
3: Yeah, that's why it was really, you know, it was frustrating to see the, um, like with with Neera Tandon, like so much uh, like Republicans telling her, uh, like, you know, we didn't like what you said about us on Twitter, you know, blah, blah, blah. Like we would love to have some people from the left say the same thing to her, um, because right now it looks like it's Republicans versus Democrats, like it's a, a team battle. And so you just sort of pick your team and hope that your side wins uh, when that's really not how we should be looking at politics, obviously. Like we have to talk about like um how, you know, the Democratic Party is fairly conservative as well. And so we should really be pushing her from the left. And there's just no, there's no, there's not a lot of push from the left. And it's really frustrating to see. But, yeah, and you're right that this doesn't address the root problem. I mean, the root problem of Donald Trump is his, his ideology that, um, that he was spreading.
0: I mean, the platforms, the way that the platforms are 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 built to raise, you know, to spread to spread misinformation and fighting and all this stuff, um, which, you know, obviously I've, I've had my own part in, uh, you know, in these battles and I'm sure, you know, many of us have, but the way that the platforms are designed is to, that they make money off of this, whether it's um, right-wing conspiracies being pushed forward or democratic left infighting or conspiracy theories that aren't fact-checked, um, and the, the, you know, it's, 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 it's how capital works, but on the, on, on her side, I, there is a real consequence. I mean, she was out there doing the work for the donors who funded cap, the donors being corporate interests and foreign govern foreign entities who had a real goal in influencing the democratic party platform in silencing folks who had uh on the left who had platforms or power or smear, smearing them attacking them eliminating from the space um and that i worry i mean like will there ever be any accountability for that and will these patterns continue do you guys have any predictions
8: I think that we're seeing a lot of, um, you know, institutions that have long been seen as nonpartisan or just kind of part of the game uh, being called out. I think, you know, we saw the um, the Harvard think tank or the uh, economist uh, group there that were clearly funded by, you know, financial interests and using terrible data to say that $1,500 checks. I mean, you know, uh, the checks shouldn't go to people who made above $50,000. Right? That That is being... You know they're being exposed. We're seeing the CBO, which is clearly, uh, you know, it's it's been about deficit reduction. That's been their entire mission the entire time that they have their their data is always skewed. And so I think before you know we can make any huge changes or you know to and be able to enact ongoing big changes, those those sorts of institutional rot needs to be exposed. And I think like that is happening slowly. And I think that it's going to take time to you know we need people who are younger who haven't been in Washington for forty fifty years dealing with the same people over and over again to bring a fresh outlook but i think that's really important getting that sort of you know things just didn't seem like a big deal that was just part of the game before you know i think that like the left needs to expose that the institutional rot as much as any you know individual individual policy
0: or or or, um they just weren't aware of it like they just weren't i mean the fact that john kennedy in itself was talking about like twitter i mean that any of these senators were like (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah. like their staffers are like listen okay I know you're not on this I know that we do your tweeting but just read this tweet I, well how do I read it um I, 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 tell me I, was this an email or was this a tweet just say Nira Tandon, you tweeted this out and then quote this Twitter that's all you gotta do all right all right <laughs> I don't know Simon I mean what do you think that we're ever
3: no, I mean, there's always going to be, like, people doing the bidding of capital, like, spreading capital propaganda. Spread, like, there, There's going to be these people online. They're going to be people we don't like online. That's just, that's unfortunate. Um, and, and sometimes we can, like, bring a strong voice in opposition to them. I mean, it, you did uh, on Twitter. Neera and, and Tandon has a lot of people who don't like her on Twitter. And sometimes, um, quote, tweets of Neera Tandon get more likes and positive response than her tweets themselves so sometimes we can sort of like <laughs> the online battle um but i think a lot of the time it's important to remember that <clears throat> the little like uh, feuds that we have online with Nira Tandon um are they, they play to a small audience um they
0: play to a small audience but they're about what she's doing I and mean, that's why i i opened with this and i was like do i really want to touch this and i thought no because what it does is it's about sowing dissent for you know <clears throat> she is in the in the ecosystem of influence which is twitter unfortunately where journalists are on there and leaders are on there and organizers and and everyday folks who just want to voice their opinion i mean this is a, a space in which those who are interested in the game of politics um you know hash it out and not everybody is in that game but you can and it's democratized so you you have the potential to be so so i i take it a little bit more seriously just because i've seen the kind of uh professional damage it's done to people
8: i think we're yeah. also seeing so like tech platforms they have a thumb on the scale in a big way right yeah. tech twitter didn't you know they removed trump after all this but you know facebook they've just allowed politics to go back to as, you know, as, as usual, they talk about maybe they're going to reduce politics on the main feed. We'll see. But like, I have the names in front of me, like uh, the people who were linked to most, the top performing links uh, on us Facebook pages yesterday or the day before top 10, it's Franklin Graham, Dan Bongino, Dan Bongino, USA Patriots for Donald Trump, (laughs) Dan Bongino, Dan Bongino, Bernie Sanders, Ben Shapiro, Ben Shapiro, Fox news. And so until that, you know, until that thumb on the scale is taken off, you know, we're, we're fighting such an uphill battle you know for any sort of like uh actual information to get out there and that stuff influences conservatives influences base Republicans and forces them to uh, you know they they wind up calling their senators they make a big deal out of it and you know that helps the Democrats try to be bipartisan and that it's all you know it all it goes right from there
0: meanwhile there are like lawyers are part of the administration now so
8: yeah right yeah antitrust, the uh, big tech antitrust
3: look not looking great.
0: Not looking great. We, Final uh, thoughts.
3: Uh, Go ahead. Yeah, um, I, w- I was just going to say a lot of the same things that Jordan was saying because you were talking about how the platform, you know, it's it's democratized. And I'm saying, well, it feels like it sometimes. Exactly. It's also not a, you know, an even playing field. And I think that, um, I, of course, capital has a lot to do with that, right? Like, there's a reason that Donald Trump wasn't removed from Twitter until like the end of his administration because, you know, Twitter was like the go-to place for like hearing the words of the president. Um, and it was huge for their platform. They made a lot of money off of Donald Trump being there, um, and so it's it's yeah. We have to, of course, like acknowledge the capital influence.
0: Simon Jordan, what a day! <laughs>
3: <laughs> we stop talking about Donald Trump on this show. Um, He's like a phantom limb that all of a sudden came
8: back. <laughs> Like there's a quiet in your head where you don't you know where donald trump used to be and now all of a sudden i'm seeing on tv they're like playing is they're showing his tweets and throwing his speeches and i'm like oh god i forgot to <laughs> do <Yeah. laughs>
0: to be fair, he is being impeached so i mean yeah. it's it's, oh, it's it's a little newsy it's for a okay. good reason but geez it's yeah. so strange
8: all of a sudden to hear him
0: again after a month of quiet i know i know it's been great we were just like what do we want to talk about on the show no of course not um <laughs> All right, as always, Simon Road, Jordan Zacharin, thank you for joining. Uh, Always a pleasure. We'll see you next week right here, same space. And to all of our chat members here, let's take a look. Prairie Fire Kowalski from Nebraska sends me a cup of coffee. Gracias for that. Ian Kinzel says, I'll laugh if Tandon winds up getting blocked because of being too incompetent to avoid getting her own hands dirty, smearing other people. Oof name name creative uh send some love says i want to thank mr smalls chris smalls for showing that it is possible to organize and fight for what you're worth 100 percent, chris smalls shout out and all the amazon workers who are organizing right now and all workers who are organizing or thinking about organizing Thank you to Harvey K, who is in the live chat. He is in YouTube and Twitch, uh, and Midi Docs and Mario Q for working those algorithms. And as always, our moderators Bob Choking the Orb and Chuck Diesel on YouTube, and Dorian Sapiens, A Difficult Truth, and Nug Wrangler on Twitch for keeping the chat room troll-free. We will be right here tomorrow, same time, same place. Thank you to our patrons. Thank you to our Twitch people, Twitchers, Twitch stream. I'm just kidding, guys. I'm just messing with you. Uh, thank you to everybody who has been watching this live. And of course, thank you to our listeners on a podcast. All right, guys, we will see you tomorrow. Same time, same place. Stay in solidarity.